Hello everyone, welcome to JavaScript Jam Live. You're bringing up the people to speak the things about the stuff right now, so hang tight. Where stuff is anything JavaScript or web development related. That's yeah. right, it is. <laughs> Whoa. That's... <laughs> that guy. Yo! Welcome to JavaScript Jam Live. We do this every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So glad y'all could be here. Alex, I sent you an invite there. I don't know if it's working for you or not, but here we go. Try it again. Um, yeah, today we're going to be talking Remix Live Loader with Alex. So excited for that. We actually, uh, met alex at remix last year um yeah he's an slc native i believe yeah so is alex maybe on the web experience did we coordinate to make sure he's not he's definitely using the mobile device because then he can't respond to if he's on web, he can't become a speaker yeah I think Alex would be aware of such restrictions. He tends to be on the up and up, but um, if that is the case, Alex, you need to be on mobile. Ah, so no, he is on the web. He just uh -oh. sent me some Discord messages. Yeah, we'll okay. we'll get him yeah. up in a second. I'll, okay, I'll let him know. this is this has been us before. Like you might, I I I thought, for example, like you know that naturally have web support by now and even if you primarily listen like you're like oh well this time i want to be good right so i'm gonna get on a wired connection with my laptop and then yeah. you go and you're like it, it kind of really inverts your expectations um but it's what it is so we'll get him up here soon very true he just hopped off so i think he's gonna be getting on the phone so um cool. yeah let's just fill a little little time while we're doing that we can introduce ourselves and whatnot nicky t in the audience what up bro nicky t bro yo can't wait to see nick here soon i think he's actually at um reactathon right now if i'm not mistaken hi gang there yo what's up yeah. hey yeah apologies i've never done a space before so well, that's that's great. Well, I'm happy to have you for your your first space, and this is a, a good reminder for us to include this in like a a rider type message. Yeah. Yep. Okay, what did I miss? Awesome. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> um, Scott, why don't you go ahead and uh, kind of kick us off? Yeah, sure. All right. So, like I said, welcome, JavaScript GMs. Uh, we do this every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And it doesn't matter whether you're a beginner or you're an advanced user of the web technologies, you're a developer here. Um, you know what? We want to hear from everybody. So feel free to, you know, understand that this is like an open mic kind of atmosphere. We love that. Actually, it just creates some really awesome uh, conversation. Uh, things are very authentic. Um, but, but yeah, feel free to uh, request to come up. We'll be more than happy to have you up, ask questions of uh, Alex or Anthony or Ishan or myself, and um, also uh, maybe state an opinion or a fact or two, you know, whatever you want. It's up to you. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, with that being said, uh, my name is Scott Steinlogging, and I am a technical community manager at Edgeo. And one of the co-hosts here, MC Dilly Doo of JavaScript Jam. Go ahead, Ishan. Yeah, I'm I'm Ishan Nand. I'm the VP of Product for the Applications Platform here at Edgeo, um, which offers CDN uh, security and uh, you know Jamstack-like hosting uh, uh, for you know the largest sites uh, on the planet. And then uh, Anthony, I'll let you go. And my name is Anthony Campolo. I am a developer advocate at Edgeo, where we serve four uh, percent of the internet. Is that right, Ishan? That yeah. is correct. Um, yeah. You probably you probably use it and don't even realize it. Um, so, yeah, and I'm super excited to have my good friend Alex here with us from EchoBind and the Lunch Dev server and general contributor to awesome open source stuff. So mm. go ahead and introduce yourself for our audience. Howdy. Yeah, I'm Alex. I actually live in Boston right now, uh, on the east coast of the U.S. And I work for EchoBind, which is a full-service 
software development agency. So we do design, strategy, and development. And I am working on building apps for clients. So, yeah, that's fun. Very cool. We should... Sorry, yes, you're going to be speaking at Remix. We should maybe pause and talk about what we're doing with Remix. Totally. Um, because it, like last week we had Kent. Uh, next week you guys are going to be doing something exciting over there. Maybe we should just pause, let people know about that, and then we'll talk to Alex about his, his talk that's going to happen at the conference next week. Awesome. Yeah. No, 100%. So last week, yeah, we had Kent on here and we were talking about Remix and all the exciting things there. Why well, you don't want to miss out on Remix? Um, you know, so we're doing this little uh, collaboration with them uh, because we love them and uh, had a great time there last year. So we wanted to be a part of it even more so this year. And so that's what we're doing. Um, and just basically bringing on some of the speakers. Uh, you know, Kent is actually going to be speaking there too, not just organizing. Um, and also Alex here is going to be speaking there as well, which is exciting. He'll kind of get into maybe a little bit of a sneak peek into what's going on there with him uh, when he's at the event. Um, and, uh, you know, we're just very excited for all that. Um, and we're actually going to be the, like, you know, the formal, I guess, uh, uh, official uh, podcast at the event there. We're going to be doing a, a live podcast uh, at least um, at the after party, which is actually the first night, um, which if you heard last week, Kent was talking about how it's going to be the after party you can actually remember. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Uh, they're giving out free milkshakes and like board games and all kinds of stuff. So lots of fun networking opportunities there. Um, so if you haven't gotten your tickets yet to Remix, please go check it out and get your tickets. And you can actually get a discount if it's three or more folks uh, by using, do you remember the code Anthony or Ishan by any chance? <laughs> that was negative. Negative. Okay, we'll throw it in the. Pretty sure it's there. just team. Team. That was it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, either way, we'll, I'll double check it and we can throw it in the comments later. But um, yes. Yeah. So if you can't make, so make it to remix if you can, and if you can't, tune in next week um, and hear from from it live yeah. on the floor. Because right, exactly, we will be live uh they're they're in the after party speaking with some of the speakers and you can take the opportunity then to ask questions of them if you did partake and you know you're there so we're gonna have like a live audience there it's gonna be fun um 100 it's gonna be really good and then also um yeah hit us up you know come find us um anthony and i will be there and we're going to be conducting a couple uh, podcast recordings as well uh for future stuff and um yeah we just love to hang out with y'all and, and see you so Feel free to come and say hi uh, to us. All right. Oh, by the way, one last thing. Sorry. I would it would it would probably behoove of you to go onto our newsletter and sign up. So go to javascriptjam.com. I'll go ahead and drop the link for that. I'm also gonna drop a link for um the lunch dev server. I already see we got good buddy Roman here in the crowd with Roman. This is uh, my favorite Discord server. This is one of the ways that Alex and I got to know each other. It's run by the Michael Chan from React Podcast. So for anyone who wants a really cool developer Discord, I highly recommend this one. And Nikki T is also in there as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is a pretty cool Discord. Awesome. Shall we get started? Let's do it. Let's do it. Alex, first of all, I do have one question for you. What, what are you most excited for for Remix coming up here? For Remix itself or for Remix Conf? Like uh, Remix Conference. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd sure, say both. Remix too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. The, the, the Conf itself, I'm, I'm excited to speak. I, I love speaking. It's like, I just love hearing the sound of my own voice. Um, but I love to share things. I love to talk with people, get inspiration, that kind of thing. And uh, I don't use Remix professionally, only for side projects. So being able to see and hear what other people are doing with it is pretty great. So it's like that classic, what's the best thing about working at such and such place? Oh, it's definitely the people. But it really is. I think Remix has a good community that's focused on uh, good things. Good performance for everybody, progressive enhancement across the board, making it so that uh, you don't have to have a beefy smartphone 
or computer to run websites, to have websites that work well. Um, as for Remix itself, your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea what's happening with V2 or the hinted at V3 that's coming up at some point. So I imagine we'll get some juicy details from the keynotes at RemixConf about those things. Uh, absolutely would not surprise me if a V2 beta dropped at RemixConf. And then uh, they've hinted at V3 having some really cool new changes that are going to make everything better, and I'm just like, awesome. It's already pretty good, so if they can make it better, great. Um, yeah. So one of the changes compared to, to last year, you know, Remix is, is under, you know, now the Shopify umbrella. When you heard about that, I'm curious, you know, as somebody who participated last year and somebody who observes the, the Remix ecosystem, just what your thoughts were in reaction uh, when you saw that and how do you think that's played out? Oh, I've got friends that work at Shopify before Remix was acquired. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, I guessed that that was what was going to happen about a week ahead of time. Messaged one of my buddies who was like, how did you know that? I'm like, just, just heard it on the wind or something. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm jazzed about it. I think Shopify has shown they're very good stewards of open source with how much they contribute back to the Ruby ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has they have not disappointed with their stewardship of Remix so far. Um, I had a chance at, a chance to talk with Chance Strickland when he was still at Remix before the acquisition, and he was talking about how Michael Jackson was just so so overwhelmed with CEO responsibilities he couldn't focus on the technical and strategic parts of Remix the framework itself. Mm -hmm. So the fact that Michael is now no longer CEO. He doesn't have to worry about those things means that he and Ryan can focus together on guiding the framework forward. And we've seen that with their, their focus on opening up everything, um, having their open uh, roadmap sessions that they've been doing on YouTube, which has been really great. So uh, yeah, I, I was optimistic beforehand and I think my optimism has paid off in that's, the that's really ensuing months. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we introduced you as being at Echobind. Um, you're, you're previously, you know, maybe you should tell people a little bit more about your background. I mean, you're at UI.dev, which I think a lot of our audience, you know, may already be subscribers to or familiar with. You put out the Bytes newsletter and you did some courses that you, you authored. Uh, do you want to tell people a little bit about that? No, I think you said everything that needs to be said about that. <laughs> Uh, why don't you tell people the, the, the courses that you authored? Um, I made the TypeScript course and the TypeScript with React course. Okay. And the React uh, query course. Very cool. And if people want to see those, where do they go? Uh, UI.dev. Okay. You heard it here first. Yes, this is Tyler uh, McGinnis's company. You were working there before Echobind and did quite a lot of work there. Yes. And when you create, like, how much time do you have? That's a very content-heavy, you know, role. At Echobind, it sounds like you're doing more day-to-day -day, uh, engineering. Do you still have time to, to create content? And, yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, you write a lot of blog posts. <laughs> I, I do write some blog posts, yes. Um, and a lot of the content that I write is is staying internally. So we have an internal RFC process for making decisions about pretty much anything at the company, actually. Anybody could submit a, an RFC and uh, try and enact some change with the way the company runs, which is nice. We're only about 30 people, 40 people, somewhere there. So pretty small. Um, so yeah, I've been shaking things up since I've been at EchoBind. Um, one of my blog posts, which is probably done the best, is uh, it was titled why we dropped GraphQL for TRPC. And uh, in it, I basically just outline what GraphQL is good for and why that's not what we need for our clients and why TRPC works better for us. Not that GraphQL isn't good. It's great. If I was in a situation that I'd need it, I'd absolutely reach for it. But TRPC is also great. And uh, 
It's also worth mentioning that within this blog post, you're talking about how Bison migrated from GraphQL to TRPC. And I think this is uh, like a super, super interesting topic area to get into, but will be quite a a huge diversion. So we might want to put a pin in that before we get into your your remix talk. Yeah, for context, Bison is the, it's basically a a boilerplate that we use at EchoBind for starting up our projects. So it includes Next.js, Prisma, uh, TRPC now. And uh, my most recent, I haven't written the blog post for this yet, but we recently migrated from Chakra UI to Tailwind uh, with an encouragement to use the Shad CN UI components, uh, which is just fabulous work. I was doing research into how to build a reusable, themable, configurable component library with Tailwind, and I just kept getting stumped. And I I thought to myself, the only way you can do this is just by copying and pasting each individual component into your project so that you can uh, edit them individually for projects as you need them. Having it from a package just doesn't work. It's very difficult to to override and configure things while still making things work with Tailwind's uh, just-in-time compiler. And I had that thought around September of last year, and then January... Shad CN comes out and he's like, check this out. And I'm like, mm, it's everything that I ever wanted. And I didn't have to build it myself. Perfect. I'm such a lazy cuss. <laughs> so if you haven't checked it out yet, if you're a fan of Tailwind and uh, great UI libraries that you can configure yourself, check out Shad CN UI. Um, I know we're talking about Remix. I, I use Next.js mostly in my work at EchoBind, but... Uh, Chad CN UI works great with Remix as well. So, is that, are you saying Chad CN? Shad CN, S H A D C N slash UI. Um, I can reply to this, right? I'll just uh, yeah, put it in can, the replies. Yeah, you can tweet at the the space, and we can put on the the jumbotron, as we say. Cool, but we should um. While you're while you're doing that, uh, I know that you're going to be speaking about Remix Live Loader. This is bringing real time to Remix. So this is something that I don't know a ton about. I have not done a lot of real time programming, but I know some that you're pretty experienced in. That's something you do like, uh, you know, streams and and whatnot around these types of things. So what was it about this topic in particular that made you want to like give a talk about it? Yeah, I just I just think that more apps should have real time capabilities, um, and it, it, it is complicated. It's not an easy thing to add, especially as your app scales. Um, most of the demos that you see use Node's event emitter, um, which works in memory and is really great if you have a single node. But if you're doing anything with distributed servers, um, that need to talk between one another to let one know that, hey, there was this real-time event that just fired. Or uh, some serverless providers, I think Lambda now, supports um, real-time in some way. Yeah, like, Lambda I don't had know. a type of streaming, which I can only imagine is an extremely hacky way of getting it to work because like Lambda is not meant for that. But it sounds right. like AWS was like, well, enough people are asking for it. We're going to clutch, clutch it in there. Exactly. And I don't know if Edgeo has anything like that. Um, but that's it. It basically adds constraints to your app. You either have to add an expensive third party service to handle all of that for you, which is a perfectly fine solution. Um, and my live loader thing that I actually, you actually can do that with it if you wanted to, um, or you have to set up your own infrastructure with some kind of, uh, pub sub system in Postgres or Redis or whatever, and then make sure that everything's taken care of. Let me, let me just start at the very beginning, all of the stuff that I was going to shove into my talk that I can't because I don't have enough time. I'm only giving a five yeah, minute Yeah, you got time. as much time as you need right now. So luxuriate in it. Yeah, so the way I see it, there are three things that you need to do any kind of real time. The first is some kind of pub subsystem. Um, some way for you to tell your server some real time event happened and you need to notify clients about it. Um, so that's the event emitter in Node.js. If you're doing just a simple demo with a single server, 
um, you just fire off an event to the event emitter, and then it triggers all of the listeners, and those listeners are able to uh, respond to that. And usually that responding means sending a message to a client via the second part of any real time, which is the transport mechanism. How is it that the client finds out that the server wants to send them a message in the first place? Typically, you'd think of like WebSockets. Um, HTTP long polling is another option, I suppose. Uh, and those are the two methods that socket.io wraps together, um, where it falls back on long polling if your browser doesn't support WebSockets. But every modern browser supports WebSockets these days, so cool. But then another technique, which I didn't know about until the Remix team started uh, making it more popular, started talking about it, is server sent events, um, which is basically a way for a server to keep a, an HTTP connection open with the client and just send messages down whenever it wants. Uh, it's kind of like WebSockets, except it's unidirectional, where the server is sending messages to the client. Um, whereas WebSockets are bidirectional, the client can send messages back to the server. Uh, in most cases, though, server send events work great because the client can still send a post request or a get request to the server to let the server know what's up, and then the server just trickles down messages with server sent events. Um, and let's see. Uh, the one big limitation of server sent events is if you're on HTTP 1, you're limited to the number of connections that you can maintain. HTTP connections you can maintain in your browser. Pretty much all modern browsers cap it at six. But if you're using HTTP2 or HTTP3, then you can have as many as you want. You don't have that limitation, and server send events work for everything. So if you're using Remix, I recommend that you uh, use server sent events because with the Remix utils package by Sergio, I actually don't know Sergio's last name. But he's very prominent in the Remix community. He built Remix Auth and Remix Utils and just is great helper all around. Uh, anyway, Remix Utils has utilities for uh, client and server handling of server sent events. And that's what I'm going to demonstrate in my talk. Um, and then the third thing that you need, you've got your, your pub subsystem, um, an event emitter, or Redis, or Postgres, or some other pub subsystem. you got your transport, WebSockets, HTTP long polling, or server sent events. And then the final thing is, what does the client do when it gets the message from the server? What kinds of messages are you sending? And how do you want the client to respond? So. Your options include just popping up a notification. It's just a one and done. The client gets the, the the message from the server, shows it to the user, and then forgets about it. Or you could make it so it's kind of a, an invalidation token, where the server just tells the client, hey, you need some fresh data. I'm not going to give you that data, but you can get it yourself. And then if you're using Remix, you call, um, you use the, the revalidator hook in order to invalidate your data and fetch from your loaders again. If you're using React Query, you can use it to invalidate whichever queries you think need to be invalidated so that they can be refetched. Um, if you're using Next App Router, you can use the uh, router.refetch method, um, which refetches all of your React server components. So that's one option. And then the final option, and most uh, most elaborate, is actually getting into your data, having the server send data, like a whole chunk of data down with the message, and using that data to update some kind of client-side cache. Um, I'm not sure how you could do that with Remix or Next.js App Router, because they don't expose their cache to you. But with React Query, you just use the set query data method to update the data however you see fit based on the message. Okay, so. that was a, that was a lot a lot of stuff. You also um, brought up 
Ellery here. He's someone who works at Edgeo. He was uh, slacking me about some stuff about this. And so what I would kind of want to get into is like, you had mentioned that there's not a lot of good tools to to do this. It looks like Ellery is kind of pushing back and pointing at some things like PubNub. Yeah. Jure's yeah. signal R. So yeah, let's, uh, let's bring him in here. I'll, I'll go ahead and speak for myself so you don't have to uh, do that on my behalf. Um, so as Anthony mentioned, I'm Ellery. I also work at Edgeo with Anthony, Ishan, and Scott. Um, I actually have some experience in this space because back in 2020, uh, I worked on a project where a client of mine had a need to support live events. Like They had a, a legal contractual need to do that for some of their customers. Uh, it was a really weird industry. It was um, voting for unions, right? These unions have an obligation to let people vote and, you know, hear speakers and so on. And there's like ADA and other stuff that goes into it. But because of COVID, no one could get together and meet. And so the requirement was like, we have to have a live streaming platform that has live chat, live voting, live polls, all these things with like full audit trails, et cetera. So we started looking at this problem. We were using React.js at the time. It's like, oh, crap. How do we go build this? Because I need to be able to persist all these messages. I need to be able to like have waiting rooms. I need to be able to, you know, start a poll or start a vote on like an issue or on a motion and have that end in a certain period of time and track how everyone voted, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we looked at a lot of different tools, including building our own. Azure SignalR was like the second place winner. It had a little bit more setup than we wanted it to. But we ended up going with PubNub, which is this general purpose. Um, you know, you can think of like a general purpose socket IO project where they give you a client side library. They have one for React, which is what we use. And basically, you can create streams of data and people can subscribe to those and get messages and they can publish. And there's full RBAC and everything else built in there. So we use that to build like all the voting and poll information as well as live chat and the app. And even built some sneaky things because many of the users were not very competent, like they had IT issues. And so we built some fun stuff where we could like forcibly reload their pages uh, with without them giving consent, which is kind of cool. But I just want to call out that there are some tools that do a lot of this for you to the point where you don't need to worry about like, oh, am I going to do long polling, open a web socket, server sent events, like just you know, install their SDK and let that do all the work for you. And the pricing was fairly reasonable. Uh, there were two different options. One was based on volume of messages submitted and messages have a size limitation or the number of concurrent users. Um, and for us, you know, it turned out that like we could get by just doing volume-based pricing and it was like, you know, 20 bucks per event that we had to support. These events had thousands of users and they ran for like four or five hours. Yeah. Absolutely. PubNub is great. Um, I've never used them before, but there are a lot of these real-time SaaSes that are out there that uh, take care of this kind of stuff for you. Under the hood, they're still doing those three things. They're still having some kind of pub subsystem uh, that you can notify to let them know that some real-time event needs to be sent to clients. And they have a transport mechanism for the client and server to connect and for the server to send messages down to the client. In PubNub's case, they handle those first two things. And it's up to you to decide what the client is going to do with the message that they get. Um, but I mean, if, if you were, sorry to take this out of the realm of JavaScript, but apparently web development is still uh, on topic. If you're in Elixir land and you're building with the Phoenix framework, all of this stuff is just built right in. They encourage you to use their live view. Well, I don't know if they encourage you, but you can use their live view setup, which uh, basically moves all of your app's reactivity to the server. And it sends any updates to the app, uh, to the client using WebSockets with real time. And uh, that's just baked right into the framework, which is fascinating. Uh, then Sunil Pai, is working on PartyKit right now, um, new startup, which is supposed to make all of this really easy for you. You're able to, with just a few lines of code, set up these, these real-time rooms for sending these messages. And uh, I'm pretty sure he's building it on top of uh, Cloudflare durable objects. So it's really fast. It's 
low latency across the globe uh, and is just really cool. But if you want to do it yourself, if you want to set up the infrastructure, I think it's helpful to, to have the context for how specifically you do that. These places, they've done that hard part for you, so you don't have to worry. Yeah, so I guess kind of like, what are the trade-offs that kind of come along with that? Like, do you do you feel like it's preferable to own it yourself? Or like, what, what would you feel comfortable kind of offloading to a service? Oh, Anthony, you can't ask a senior developer a question that obviously is answered with, it depends. Well, that's fine. You can give me what it depends on, and then give me the whether you do this and when it depends on that. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know what regulations or what what degree of privacy you need to have for uh, for union voting uh, or or whatever you might be doing for like a I don't know on PubNub's website they they show this sports demo where you're watching uh, football. And you've got live chat and reactions that are powered by their uh, their systems. For that, uh, sure, PubNub sounds great. You could roll it yourself, but it's probably easier to do it their way. But if you're in healthcare and you're dealing with uh, HIPAA or other government compliance issues, I don't know if PubNub is HIPAA compliant. I don't know what effort it would take in order to get set up on a HIPAA compliant enterprise plan with PubNub. At some point, you just got to say it's not worth it. I'm I'm doing it myself on my own infrastructure that I know is HIPAA compliant. Um, uh, we got uh, we got Jason up here with us, longtime listener, caller on JavaScript Jam. What's up, Jason? It's been hey, a while. everyone. Yeah, been been busy. I haven't always been able to make the make the meetings, make the spaces, whatever we call these places. But yeah, um, feel free to uh, let us know what's your what. What do you got on your mind? What do you want to? Oh, I was just uh, the uh, real time data communication syncing stuff is something I've worked on on and off for a long time. Um, I was just thinking about the. <laughs> I love how this topic elicits like certain devs be like, "Ugh, I've been there. <laughs> I've seen some stuff. <laughs> I got to get my thoughts." <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think the the really there's a number of challenges you guys have already talked about. And the, the next one being that kind of got brushed on was data synchronization. So if you're storing any amount of data in on the browser, how do you resolve conflicts? So if it's, if it's a simple use case like chat where you're not, you don't have collaborative editing of, of shared objects, then it's, you know, there isn't any synchronization. It's, it's, unmutable immutable objects and then then it gets really interesting if you start doing you know these multiplayer apps as there i think people are calling them now um where you're editing you you have multiple people editing the same objects and and there's there's a number of different camps um who's the uh uh data blocks what's or what's the one that uh Bricelle's really into these days is it data um i'm just having a brain fart yeah i'm forgetting too Databricks? No, that's, that's the it. AI one. Um, yeah, it'll come to me in a minute. But um, you know, you, yeah. you, then you get into you know things like do you use YJS, which is a CRDT. I think we've we've talked about this on previous spaces. So a, a shared document model where you can build things like Google Docs, uh, where you've got multiple people editing a highly concurrent object um but that's that might is probably going to be overkill and then then there's a, like does the server own the data or do the clients own the data so there's all these kind of other things that pop up as you start to think about um on top of the all the overhead and complexity of maintaining and scaling websocket servers it gets it gets uh, pretty gnarly pretty quickly which is why hopefully one of these other solutions will have a nice um edge function equivalent easiness and deploy of like a edgeo or a Vercel to uh, deploy your your react app um with websockets it really hasn't really hasn't happened yet yeah i would keep keep your eyes peeled on what sunil's doing with party kit yeah party kit that definitely looks really interesting very and he's already got support for yjs I, i'm not sure if he has auto merge could we give like a, a tldr of like what is party kit um yeah PartyKit is, it's described as an open source platform for collaboration. 
Um, so you basically just apply, you, you just use a very small amount of code to set up some WebSockets on your server. And then all of a sudden, your clients can send messages to the server and the server can send messages to the client. And you add all of the necessary logic for how you want all of that to behave. Um, it's, it's fully managed and deployed to the edge, so you don't have to worry about your own servers. And it's fast and batteries included. It just the idea is it's it's serverless real time that's really fast and easy to use. Yeah, and I think it's interesting how you're saying he's built it on some Cloudflare stuff. He was working at Cloudflare for a bit, and I feel like that's why I usually trust that a service is really useful when someone worked for a giant deployment company, saw an issue with it, tried to fix it, realized that there's too much bureaucracy, and then jumps to build a startup to fix it instead. That's a, I feel like I've seen this pattern a couple times, and it's a usually a good sign that they're onto something. Yeah. And Sunil's very, very thoughtful and, uh, and humble and definitely going about building this, in, in my opinion, the right way. Um, uh, another interesting thing about it is it is open source. So uh, it's github.com slash party kit slash party kit. Find all the code right there. For sponsors. No, it's it's open to everybody. Is it open now? Oh, I thought yeah, it was sponsored. Okay, it, it was sponsors op only. He opened it at uh, React Miami. Oh, cool. Yep. The uh, the other one I've used, uh, I think it's by the creators of the YJS project, is called Hocus Pocus. Um, it's another MIT license. It was a sponsored only project for about a year, uh, and I think they they open sourced it or took away the sponsor barrier probably six months ago. Um, it's another, it's a WebSocket endpoint uh, server for, for YJS documents uh, that plugs nicely into their kind of the YJS ecosystem. So if you, if you have an application that needs to go all the way to a fully conflict-free replicated data type that you need something like YJS, then, then a good off-the-shelf backend that you can run yourself is, is Hocus Pocus. I've got a couple of projects using it right now. Um, yeah. Slick, it looks like they've got support for auth and persistence and all yeah, kinds of fun stuff. It's it's relatively, I should probably just flip this. I've got a little open source, or I got a little repository that's an example of it that I should probably just flip the switch to open source it. Is, uh, um, it, it, you know, you can plug in your own database. So whatever database you use, it's got some callbacks that you implement. Okay, here's, you know, stuff data here. And then an auth hook that lets you, you know, it's like if anybody used Socket.io back, you know, uh, way back in the day, um, where you just implement your own little middleware for auth and that kind of stuff, it's it's very similar. Um, and, and but then it has the downside of you get to host it yourself. So, which may or may not be a hard thing for people. Yeah. But it's literally like I've got a you know maybe ten lines of of a Node.js script on top of their library, and I've now I've got a functional authenticated um, backend for you know a fairly decent sized um, shared data store data app. Scott, do you want to mm. uh, do a station break? Sure. All this talk about rolling your own stuff. <laughs> Oh, man. You're, you got some distortion on your mic right now. Do I? Is it? Yeah, my. Better now. I'm not saying I was hearing that right now. Do other people hear that? Yep, he's a little garbly. Uh, yeah. Shame. I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, you sound like you're in a, a blender right now. Oh, that's awesome. All right, well, I can do a station break. So, if you've gotten value from anyone here on stage, go ahead and follow them. We are talking about Remix Live Loader right now with Alex Anderson. And while we bring it back to your talk, is there more you want to speak about Remix Live Loader specifically that we've not hit on? Yeah, the, the, the hook itself. Um, Do it. It's 
the way that I've implemented it, I wanted it to be as trivial a developer experience as possible. I don't want to have to, to mess around with anything complicated in order to get this to work. And so the API that I've landed on is a little weird, but it works. And I don't think I'm ever going to use it in production necessarily, but maybe it will be inspiration for other people. That's kind of the whole point of the conference, right? So my event emitter itself, the events are actually routes. So I have an event called slash, which is going to be triggered anytime data needs to be updated for the index route. And uh, my example is the, the remix uh, real-time template, which is a linear clone, so an issue tracker. And so I have another event that I can fire for slash issues slash and then an issue number, which is going to be fired anytime an individual issue has been updated. Um, so I call update issue, and it's going to trigger those events because the issue appears on both the index page and on its individual issue page. And that's going to uh, trigger my server sent events. I'm using server sent events in this case. And the way that server sent events work in Remix is you subscribe to them at they're, they're resource routes. They're, they're basically loaders that your app can request, that they can connect to using the browser-based server sent event APIs. Uh, again, I'm using Sergio's Remix Utils for this, so it, it's all abstracted away in a very simple API. And uh, when I'm subscribing to these, I'm actually using a splat route on my server sent events loader and on that particular route. So I can do slash events, slash issues, slash, and then the issue number. And that's going to subscribe to uh, any events that happen for that particular route for that issue that I'm on. So if you follow where I'm going with this, whenever any of those events happen, I'm going to just send a timestamp. It could be anything. It could be a random number. I'm sending a timestamp down to the client as an indication that it should revalidate its data. And that's all that I'm sending. I'm using that, that second method of just let the client know that it that its data is out of date and the client can handle updating its data however it wants. And then on the client, I have a special custom hook called use live loader, which wraps Remix's built-in use loader data so that I can use it to get the, the data from the loader itself. But it also is going to subscribe to the server sent events endpoint for that particular route. And when it gets the message from that server sent event, it's going to call the revalidate function, which is going to update all of its loaders. So in practice, the way that it works is I you have your friend sitting beside you looking at the issues index page, and you're on an issue, an, an issue details page, and you rename that issue. That triggers the action to the server which is going to fire off your event emitter. Uh, it's going to fire two events, actually, one for the issue page that you're currently on and one for the index page that shows that issue. That's going to go over to the server sent events loader where both your friend on the index page and yourself on the detail page are connected currently, receiving server sent events. It's going to send, it's, it's going to recognize that you're connected and get that event message and send each of your clients the current timestamp, which is going to signal to your clients that data has gone out of date and you need to update. And then you'll call the revalidate function, which is going to have both of those browsers request the loader data from the server. And now both of them are in sync. And a cool thing about Remix is the fact that if you're running a loader uh, and then you you call the revalidate function, it's just going to cancel that original request and send a new request. So you're never going to run into race conditions with this. It's always going to give you the correct data because of the way that they've engineered it. Now, 
One thing you might notice is this is, if you have a lot of clients all connected at the same time, they're all going to be requesting from your server at the same time. So please, please, please set up some kind of LRU cache, some kind of server-side cache to make sure that you're not uh, gonna be completely hammering your server with all these requests. But for as inelegant a solution as it is, it is quite simple and gets the job done. Hopefully, without being able to actually see the code, all of that made sense. Uh, if you want to see the code, watch my talk at, uh, I think it's 11.30 Mountain Time uh, next Wednesday. Let me double check the schedule. Awesome. We got um, someone who has a question. Let's add this person up here. Hopefully they're not a bot. Hey. Um, hello. Hi. What's up? So I had a question on, um, of course, we have to be careful on how we design loaders with Remix, especially because it's going to fetch everything. So if you have like 15 loaders on one page, uh, that's probably not like the most ideal way to design the application. Um, but ever since Remix came out and uh, at Tesla, I'm actually trying it out on one of our internal applications right now. Um, I'm wondering what is the future of a library like React Query? Is there still space for it? Um, or, you know, would this be something that we can handle with just Remix, cache invalidation, with sort of uh, designing our loaders in a much more simpler way? Uh, great question. React Query is fabulous. Um, I mean, if you were here at the beginning, I wrote a course about React Query. I love it. And Tanner is a good friend of mine. Um, there is absolutely a place for React Query, even in Remix apps. I think that Remix provides a lot of tools that give you reasons not to use React Query. And if your app doesn't have any additional reasons why you'd want to use React Query, then just use Remix. It's great. Uh, but React Query absolutely is a powerful tool that you can use with Remix. In this case, you probably want it to, in order to support server-side rendering, you would want to have your loader data be passed into React Query as initial data. Um, or if you wanted to be really fancy, you could serialize the cache in your loader, but I, I don't know that that would work super well with Remix. I haven't thought of a good way to do that yet. So you've got your, oh, go ahead. No, okay, that makes sense. Okay, feed uh, the output of your loader as the initial data for your React query. Okay, that makes sense. Yep, and then with the real time, instead of revalidating your loaders when you get that message, make it so that the message includes any data that needs to update in your React query cache. So that gets sent from the server to the client, and then the client is able to go in and surgically update the React query cache with use query data in order to update whatever needs to be updated based on that real-time response. And then the cache updates, and that updates all of the queries that are using that cache data, and your app updates, and it's wonderful. Okay, so that's one extra layer of defense because typically when you start building applications, it's all very simple and nice. But then with enterprise applications, before you know it, now you have like 10 lowers on your page. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not because any engineer is intending to do or design things that way. It's just when you're moving fast, it just ends up happening like that. So I guess React Query can be thought of as like an additional defense on your UI side to sort of have some sort of control. Uh, mm -hmm. rather than Remix just doing, like, okay, we're going to just get everything for you. Yep. Remix's solution is great, and it is going to solve those race conditions. Using React Query might, your, your data might get um, out of sync or might get munged in a weird way, just because it, it does give you direct access to the cache. Um, but that direct access to the cache gives you so much power. Um, 
but you also lose out on some of the benefits of remix, like the way that they handle uh, caching or you have to roll optimistic updates yourself. Um, so there, there are trade-offs, but React Query, like I'm using React Query in a uh, Next.js app router app right now with React server components. And it's a little weird, but in my case, it works great because there isn't a great way to do infinite scrolling with uh, React server components with app router yet. So this, this takes care of that for me really nicely. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, anything else? No, that's all. That was the question. Super. Thanks. Yeah, um, that's actually all that I have to talk about my talk. Um, so if there are any other questions about the talk, I'd be happy to talk about them. Or if we want to talk about anything else. Uh, I'd be curious to talk about, you mentioned App Router a little bit. What are your thoughts on current Next.js world? Yeah. Um, I. It's a shame we're not having this conversation tomorrow because I'm pretty sure there's going to be uh, the mutations RFC that's going to drop tomorrow as part of Vercel's ship week, which... Cool, it's it's Vercel Week. Awesome. You should uh, you should let our listeners know what is that and why they should have their eyes peeled for it tomorrow. No, Vercel's doing a good enough job of that. Basically, App Router was first announced. It's a beta for for Next.js 13. It was announced in October, and uh, it's the first real serious implementation of React server components. Um. And it's it's still very much, I would say it's an alpha by my definition. I say alpha is anytime you're missing features, whereas beta is when you have all the features you intend to have, but it's probably still buggy. So uh, app router is not there yet. You can use it. You're going to be on the bleeding edge. And everybody knows when you're on the bleeding edge, it's you that's bleeding. So the big thing that they're missing right now is some kind of mutation API, some way for you to tell the server to change some data. Um, and they have alluded to an upcoming mutation RFC in their app router docs. Um, and it was mentioned in the most recent react.dev blog post about how they're working on making it so that you can do form actions and have, um, server actions that are kind of like a magic RPC that's being built into React server components. Um, and I think as part of this Vercel ship week, they're going to announce that tomorrow uh, for the, the keynote. So I've actually really wanted to do an RFC at my job to recommend that we either switch to, because all of our apps currently are using um, the old pages router in Next.js, which is fine. It is the recommended way of doing it if you don't want to be on the bleeding edge still. Um, I wanted to recommend, should we go with the new app router in Next.js or should we switch over to Remix for future client projects? But I can't do that until Next.js announces their mutations API because otherwise Remix is going to win because actions are just such a nice API for for taking care of so many things all at once. It takes care of updating your data, reloading your loaders, optimistic updates, and error handling, all kinds of great stuff, just all built into a very nice API. I'm hoping that we get a similar experience with App Router and that it gives Remix a run for its money. As much as I love Remix, um, I work with Next.js at my job, so I want Next.js to be good too. <laughs> Is that a hot enough take for you, or is that too tepid? No, that was that was great. I thought that was all good context for people who are not super duper deep into this world. Uh, we got Bro Nifty coming up here. You got some thoughts you want to throw in here? Oh yeah, you just queued me up with the uh, people who are not super deep, uh, Bro Nifty, which is me. Yeah, I'm not super deep in it. No, but uh, uh, just, just kidding. Yes, thank you, Anthony. Yes, I did. New questions are always welcome, Mister. Thank you. As as well, I did have a question. Um, actually, to um, 
r dot r alex alex um yeah so do you know exactly what is the value prop um had some back and forth with Dan and some other people from React and the general ecosystem. And do you do you do you have like a nice takeaway of what the value prop is of the next app router with RSC? You can just drop in. It's something about hard coding the routing to uh, in with. So like we have loader in action. It's like hard coded to the router and remix, right? Where you have like at the base uh-huh. of the of the router where you, you're making your, your server calls. Whereas I think the value prop of RSC is you can just drop the 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 server calls into like a, a nested somewhere somewhere nested, not at the root of the route, but somewhere like, you know, in, in nested in there or something. Is that is that your kind of general takeaway of what the what the value prop of RSC over something like Remix's standard, you know, loader and action type of thing is? Yeah. Um I, I don't have as good an idea as many of our peers. Um I would say Ben Holmes did a lot of work with this uh whiteboard of the web, that guy. Um definitely check out his stuff on React server components. And we need to make a distinction here. React server components and the app router are a little different. App router is an implementation that uses React server components. So if we're talking about just benefits of app router itself, you get nested layouts, you get interception routes, you get parallel routing, all kinds of stuff which really wasn't possible with the pages stuff. That's all awesome. React server components are a major part of that, um, but they aren't tied to the app router itself. Um, Remix, Kent recently said, in fact, I think it was on this very podcast, that he is very confident Remix is going to support React Server Components someday. So the benefit of React Server Components as compared to Remix loaders is that Remix loaders only load at the route level. But if you have nested components inside that route, all of those nested components data has to come from the parent route. And you can do nested routes, so you get those those parallel loaders all happening at the same time, but you can't load data inside of an individual component without either passing it from the loader or doing network waterfalls by loading on the client. With React Server Components, each individual component can load its own data. Um, And all of that data loading is done in parallel. You have no network waterfalls. In fact, if you go back through Dan Dan Abramov's uh, tweets a little bit, you'll come to a poll where he basically does some quizzing on how you expect React server components to behave and uh, highlights some of the surprising benefits that come from React server components. Yeah, just to just to actually fit, put a put a button on this. I think the most uh, unambiguous implementation of it, although it's a lot of work to do to do it, I, I believe the Relay GraphQL Meta, formerly Facebook, implementation of it is has been using this for a while through the use of, um, I forgot what it's called. It's like a template or it's a partial. Fragments, GraphQL fragment. Fragment, fragment. Yes, that is, that is the, I guess all of this that we're implementing in next, the app router and Waku work, uh, Adam Shotai, Dashi Katos uh, uh, thing, and, and which was used by, I uh, can't remember his name because there's too many things to remember at once. But uh, yeah, what you brought up, White War of the Web, all of that. I believe the genesis of it is the uh, is the is what we just talked about the GraphQL uh, implementation. So if we went, if we really did all sit down, do the work, and like went from beginning to end through that, we'd probably have a really good idea of what we're trying to re-implement in a framework like a meta framework, like Next or whatever is happening there. So anyway, thank you for your, your input there and you answered my question. Absolutely. I want to highlight one other benefit um, is streaming. Remix has streaming through defer and the await or awaited. I can't remember the exact terminology, but they've got streaming responses, again, tied to the router itself. 
uh, app router lets you do streaming per component. So I had a situation where below the fold, I had some data that I uh, knew was going to be a little more expensive than the rest of the data for that particular component. So I ripped that section out into its own server component that loaded its own data separate from its parent component. And then I wrapped that component in a suspense boundary. And now it's going to show the suspense boundary until the it, it's first going to load the whole page with the suspense boundary showing the fallback. And then as soon as that inner component loads its data, it's going to stream in that data and show up just fine. But I thought in Remix, if you have a nested small component, you can have a loader inside of it and ensure that that is like a pathless route so that a user cannot directly access that particular component on the page, but it's sort of hydrated on the page. Um, yeah, you know, I've never tried that before, but that sounds... That's like actually something I'm going to try out with my teammates this, like, within the next week. Yeah. Yeah, so a pathless route. So it's, it's still a route, but it doesn't add to your URL, and it gets its own loaders. Um, it still isn't as convenient as just breaking it out into its own component. But then again, React server components are really annoying because you can't use any client-side JavaScript in them. Um, you have to break out any client-side JavaScript into their own components, into their own files that have the use client directive at the top of the file. Otherwise, Next is going to complain at you. So, uh, but it's it's something that you get used to. It's just a, a, a convention that you become familiar with, and then you get used to it, and that's just the way that you do things. So, yeah, very, very good idea, though. I might have to try that sometime. I, I like your point. Uh, you're talking about you know the normalization of streaming into the frameworks now. So instead of waiting for all of your data to get loaded, you can, you can incrementally update your your client as the data is streaming back from the server. I'm glad to see that become more normalized now that it sounds like Next is starting to try to figure out how to how to make that easy inside of the inside of their framework, and that Remix has had it for a while now. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean. Very relatively a while. Um, I can't remember who got it first, but uh, it's 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 become table stakes these days. Well, I, I think with, like with everything with Remix, it's uh, everything that's old is new again. So exactly. Like taking advantage of the Remix invented it, and no one else did. They did. They stole it from Remix. Yeah, yeah. That's well, one of the well, yeah. I'll, I'll, try the to, I'll try to. <laughs> Yeah, I'll try to stay off that third rail. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the ability to do streaming, you know, like server sent events and and just straight up long HTTP requests to kind of stream back even HTML has been around for decades, or you know, almost you know since uh, well, at least a decade now. So, but having that be part of normal things that everyone is use, you know, a usable user interface as opposed to being some crazy hack that you had to know some mystic voodoo uh, mm -hmm. to empt uh, or to know existed. I think having, bringing those, those kind of techniques back to the, and making them easy and kind of normalized is, is, is always a good thing. So Ab absolutely just put more tools in our toolbox. Give us the power. Um, uh, uh, well, that was one of the big themes of last remix comp is remix gives you levers and you can choose how much you want to pull. All right, sweet. Well, this has been a super great discussion. Um, are there other Hold things on. you want to... Anthony. Oh, what? Uh, maybe you might not be able to hear Alec, because I think he was mid-sentence when oh, you said that. Oh, man. My freaking Twitter spaces is just going totally nuts right now. I'll just uh, Please continue mute myself on. continue on. <laughs> no, that was basically the end of the thought. Uh, thanks for sticking up for me, Scott. Yeah. yeah, okay. He said that was basically the end of the thought. It's all good. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> Anthony has jumped in and out at least probably four or five times and he was having issues and uh, obviously he's still having issues. Thank you. Twitter spaces. Never a dull moment here, folks. <laughs> Absolutely. Never a dull moment. Well, uh, with it being the, the hour here, um, I don't know. Um, we could probably just uh, kind of call it here and 
just want to thank everybody so much for showing up. Uh, does anybody have anything else they want to say before we maybe a question or opinion or fact or whatever it might be um, about anything that was just discussed? Maybe any last second questions for Alex or I, I did anything have, like that? I did have one thing. I, I finally got rid of my brain block. It's live blocks is, ah, that, that's it. is the yeah. other. They've been around for, for a while now. It looks like they've uh, increased their product footprint quite a bit since the early days. So, yeah, it might be worth checking out if you got to do real-time data sync stuff. Yep, lots of, great, lots of great tools out there. Awesome. I just wanted to say thank you for giving me the space to ask a couple of questions. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Fabulous thanks. questions. Thanks for coming up, man. Appreciate you created some awesome conversation. In fact, that's what we tell everybody every time we come here. This is an open mic atmosphere. We love it when people come and request to come up, whether you're a beginner, whether you're an advanced user, it doesn't matter. Uh, developer, you know, we want to hear from you. Ask questions, opinions, facts, whatever, because it just really creates some authentic conversations and uh, creates value for those in the audience and as well as the speakers up here who are trying to give their time today to have a great conversation. So thank you so much for you for coming up and asking those things. So awesome. By the way, if you got value from anybody up here on the stage, please feel free to click on their face there, follow them, because if you're getting value from them here, well, guess what? You're probably going to get value from them in other places as well. Uh, and JavaScript Jam wouldn't mind to follow as well, too. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter so that you can find out when we're going to be having awesome people like Alex on here um, and all the wonderful things that we are collaborating with and doing. You don't want to miss out, folks. So with that being said, you can see Alex live next week at uh, 11.50 p.m. <laughs> Mountain Time. Okay, 11.50 p.m. Mountain Time. A.M.? P.M.? What? Oh, A.M. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I mean, could, we, could, we could go that late probably, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's late in my day. No worries. No worries. 11.50 a.m. Mountain Time. He will be speaking, I guess, is that on the 10th or the 11th? Uh, that'd be the 10th. Wednesday, the, 10th. Right. So. the first day. Cool. Awesome. So go check him out. And if you don't have your tickets yet, go to Remix Comp. Go to Remix Comp and get your, cop your ticket. <laughs> Don't want to miss it. There's gonna be some fun people there. You know how it is when you like you miss a miss a conference and then like uh you know you're not able to attend, whatever it is. Um, and you like see all the stuff on Twitter and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could be there right now. You don't want to be that person. So just go yeah. get your ticket. <laughs> it is that all time right. of the year. Reactathon <laughs> is happening as we speak, and I'm like I know. My friends. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for your time today. Greatly appreciate every single one of you up here on stage and in the audience. Let's give a big round of applause for Alex. Woo! Uh, give him some claps, some hearts, some love, some 100s, and everybody else that showed up here as well. So, yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. Appreciate you guys. We love y'all. And we'll see you in the next one. The next one. Which will be live at... Remix conference. Remix Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>